Welcome to the Glory Bell Podcast. We invite you to join us at Glory Bell Church on Sundays at 10 a.m. in downtown Waco. For more information about our church, you can visit us online at glorybell.com or on Instagram and Facebook at Glory Bell Church. Thanks again for tuning in, and we hope you enjoy the message. Well, hey, uh, we like to do this at the beginning of the, we- of the sermon where I kind of give you a brief recap of what you may have missed over the past few weeks. Uh, and if you were here over the past few weeks, so this is what you would consider a review. And uh, this is our fourth week in this sermon series called The Table. And what's amazing about the holiday season is how much of this time of year is centered around the table with food and family. But how many of you know it's not about what's on the table, it's about who's at the table. Uh, And that's the same for our life and our spiritual walk with God. It's a matter about who you have allowed a seat at the table. And uh, so with that in mind, we we talked about a few different passages this month in Scripture that talk and reference the table. In our first weekend, we talked about the table of forgiveness, which is really something that we highlight every single month at Glory Bell through sharing in communion. Because in that first week of our series, we unpacked uh, what it means uh, to share in the communion like Jesus shared with his disciples. That, In fact, as Scripture teaches us, communion is really about a celebration of Passover. Passover, if you don't recall, is what happened when the children of Israel were rescued out of Egypt. And the only way they were rescued is because through these terrible plagues, the final one being the, the firstborn of all the Egyptians being taken and dying, the, the Israelites were spared because the blood was put over the blood of not just anything, but the perfect lamb in their house. That blood was put over the doorpost and the The wrath of God through the death angel passed over that home because of the blood of the lamb. Well, we learned through communion that Jesus is that perfect lamb. And it's his blood that takes away the sin of the world. So that's how we have forgiveness and a seat at the table is through the blood of Jesus. Then the second week, we talked from a very familiar passage of scripture again, Psalm 23. You guys know that passage, right? The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. And there's that really powerful phrase in there, sandwiched in between some of those words that says, he prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemies. And in that week, we learned that uh, God has a plan for you and I in the, in the worst moments of our life, when we're surrounded by our enemies, when we're surrounded by fear, when we're surrounded by heartache and disease and questions and anger and resentment. Right in the middle of that, God will set up a table for you and him. And that table is meant for you and him alone so that you can have communion with him, that you can have true, genuine relationship with him. And it's really important, though, that you and I don't allow the enemy a seat at that table because that's not who it's for. It was for you in the presence of your enemies, not for your enemies in the presence of you. Then last week, we talked about the table of worship. And we, we talked from Luke chapter 7, and there's this passage and account of a sinful woman we know to be a woman of the night, a prostitute. And it's crazy because she walks into an environment, a dinner party where she is not even invited, y'all. And even though she's not invited, she gets into the room 
And then she gets closer to Jesus who was invited than anybody else in the house. She, she's not even welcomed to walk on the same side of the street as most people in that day. And yet she walks into the room and has an audience with Jesus. And the takeaway from last week's uh, sermon, the table of worship, was that it is not your position that gives you proximity to Jesus, but your posture of worship. So whether you are a person of affluence and you came from a, a family background and lineage of, of, uh, of, of, of influence or affluence, if you came from a family that's been down and out and maybe you're from a broken home or maybe you came through the foster system, the way all of us get close to Jesus is through worshiping him. And in order to really worship him, you really need to come to him just as this woman did, which was knowing that we have to to understand we need Jesus in our life. doesn't matter a little sin or a lot of sin, we need Jesus. And then second thing, we, we need to come knowing that worshiping Jesus will cost us something. Sometimes it costs us energy. Sometimes it costs us our finances. Sometimes it costs you popularity. For people around the globe, there are people, it costs them greatly, even their life, by worshiping Jesus. But that's the best way to have a true posture of worship. And then the last thing to have a true posture of worship at the table of worship is to come knowing that you can't hold anything back. Don't just bring to God what you think is good in the good areas of your life, but shine the light, his light, on every corner, every dark area, the good, the bad, and the ugly areas of your life. And that's how you can have true worship and have a close relationship with Jesus. But today, we're going to start... A new sermon based on this title. Are you ready? If you're note takers, the title of today's sermon is The Table of Inclusion. Everybody say The Table of Inclusion. Good deal. All right, so as we're sharing this, I, it's kind of cool because I'm going to refer back to Luke chapter 7 in a minute, but I'm going to get started with Luke chapter 15. So maybe if you brought your paper Bibles, you can kind of earmark both of those. If you're writing notes, you can put those down in reference. Uh, I'm going to hit up both of those, but let's start with Luke chapter 15. If you're there, say, I'm there. If you need more time, say, hold up. Hold up. All right, hold up. Luke 15, I'm going to be reading. Uh, I mean, I said Luke 15. I mean, Luke 14, excuse me, verse 15 through 24. Luke 14, Verse 15, and here we go. Hearing this, a man sitting at the table with Jesus exclaimed, What a blessing it will be to attend a banquet in the kingdom of God. Jesus replied with this story, A man prepared a great feast and sent out many invitations. When the banquet was ready, he sent the servant to tell the guests, Come, the banquet is ready. But they all began making excuses. One said, I have just bought a field and must inspect it. Please excuse me. Another said, I have just bought five pairs of oxen and I want to try them out. Please excuse me. Another said, I just got married so I can't come. This is very much what we see in our culture today. Man, I want to be at church. I want to be a part of what's going on. But man, I just got so much going on at work. I'm just really working on my 401k. I'm just really working on my, my kids and my family and their extracurricular activities. I don't really have time for that. Or, man, I've got to really study and get ready for this test. And a lot of times people will make excuses. No, I haven't heard anybody tell me they can't come to church because they're taking care of their oxen. But, but 
that's still the case. Many people, they have things that fill up their calendar, right? Uh, and and I, I'm not even going to preach on that anymore. i got to keep going. All right. Another said, I just got to get married so I can't come. The servant returned and told the master what they had said. This is Jesus, by the way, telling a parable. He's giving an, an example of what's happening, all right? His master was furious and said, go quickly into the streets and the alleys of the town and invite the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. I want to read that sentence one more time. Go quickly into the streets and the alleys of the town and invite the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. After the servant had done this, he reported, there is still room for more. So his master said, go out into the country lanes and behind the hedges and urge anyone you find to come so that the house will be full. Everybody say full. For none of those I first invited will get even the smallest taste of my banquet. So give you give you a little bit of context in this passage of scripture is Jesus is at a dinner party and he tells a parable about a dinner party. Jesus was a great communicator. He knew the number one rule of communication is to know your audience. He's like, here I am, I'm at a dinner party. What's going to really register with these people if I'm going to tell a story about the kingdom of God in the form of a dinner party. But it wasn't just any dinner party. He is at the home of a prominent Jewish Pharisee. Now, again, there's a parallel between this parable that Jesus, in this setting that Jesus is giving in Luke 14, as what we talked about in last week. Because, again, it's Luke 7, what we referred to last week. Jesus is at the home of another Pharisee, Simon. The Pharisee, a prominent man in the community. And these parties, it wasn't uncommon, as you can tell. There's multiple encounters already in just a few matters of Scripture. And these, pa- these parties weren't like a party where you and I would go to today. They weren't playing the latest uh, uh, hip-hop on uh, you know, Spotify. It wasn't like balloons and confetti. It wasn't just like a barbecue or hanging out. But... What these parties were more geared towards was a way to highlight the intelligence, the wisdom, the holiness of the Pharisees because they were a very religious people. And it wasn't uncommon for the dinner to take place in the outer room of the house near the porch. And they would leave the windows of the home open or the doors open. And as they were reclining at the table, eating and discussing scripture and their weighty topics of discussion, including the, the passages of scripture, they would allow others, the, those passing by, to stop in on the outside and to hear what was being discussed. Again, giving you context, but Jesus He lets them know, well, it's like this party that we're at. I want to show you what it's really like. Because it's not just an an exclusive party, this kingdom of God that we're a part of. This kingdom of God that I'm telling people about. No, the, the party that is the kingdom of God is a strictly inclusive. It's not just for people of social economic status. It's not just for people who have it all right. Because again, you have to think, in this time period, if you were blind, crippled, lame, it was widely held that the reason why you were like that is because you had either you or your predecessors had something wrong with them, and that was a curse from God. So if you, you guys remember that story in Scripture where there's a, there's a blind man who's healed, and 
they come to Jesus and they're like, uh, there's, what is the fan, what is, what's wrong, what did he do wrong to suffer this punishment? And Jesus has it all wrong. And er, Jesus said, you guys have it all wrong. The only reason why he's blind is so that I can perform a miracle today to show all y'all who's boss. And, and what is happening is the Jewish people at this time, uh, the very religious people had an idea of what the kingdom of God looked like. And it was for the people who had it all right the people that had a certain level of economic status, and Jesus is flipping this script on them. He was saying that those in the streets, those in the country, those in the alleyway, those that are hidden, those that, are, that can't get it all together, those people that are broken, those people that they can't hear the gospel message because they're deaf, those people, and not just a physical death, but a, a, a spiritual deafness, those people that are not just physically blind, but they can't, they have no vision for their life. You guys tracking with me? That's who Jesus says. No, these are the people that need to be invited. And that, as I shared with our team this morning about just a precursor for this sermon, this sermon really encapsulates the heartbeat of what Glory Bell is all about. Because we, we've been saying from day one, everybody has a seat at the table. And... Man, this is not in my notes, but it's something that we're going to have to get back to. There's this passage in the Old, in the Old Testament where they, they make room for a guy named Mephibosheth. And that is Solomon. He brings him into royalty and in, at a seat at the table in the kingdom. Again, at that time, they would not even have been allowed because he was crippled. And he makes a special place for him and serves him until he dies the best food in the best place at the only, only, a spot only reserved for him. That's what you and I need to do when we present the gospel. We need to make exceptions. Everybody say this phrase, strictly inclusive. Strictly inclusive. Strictly inclusive. That is the mes message that Jesus is bringing at this banquet table. At Glory Bell, we don't draw lines to keep people out. We cross lines to bring people in. I love what Pastor Craig Rochelle says. He says at Life Church, who uh, Life Church is a church that's reaching a lot of people for Jesus. Uh, there's so many nuggets about what Life Church does out of Tulsa and Oklahoma City and Kansas and all this. There's some in Texas now. But he says, we'll do anything short of sin to reach people with Christ. That's, that's really what we want to do at Glory Bell. We want to reach people who are far from God. We've been saying at Glory Bell, we want to be known for four things. One of those four things is we want to be known as a church rich in grace. A church that's reaching for people that have been hidden. A, 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 a reaching for people that for so long haven't maybe felt like they would be welcomed at the church. That's why I, I, I say like, um, it, it's okay if it doesn't feel like church as long as it feels like Jesus. Because a lot of times people, even, in, even about Jesus, but people have a stereotypical mindset of what the church looks like and feels like. But we know that Jesus is accepting of all people. He loves them too much to leave them where they are. And he loves them too much to let them stay the same. He wants to bring transformation to their lives. Amen? All right. I've got a few things I want to share. Uh, a, story, a, a quick story that I want to share with you guys. Um, that really, I guess, better encapsulates this maybe even than the passage of Scripture. Uh, a few years ago, you guys, some of know our story. A few years ago, Ashley and I, uh, we had been serving at a phenomenal church called Grace Church in Houston. 
And uh, Grace Church did this amazing sermon series um, called At the Movies. And Grace Church, to give you some more context to that, Grace Church is a large church. Um, it, it's, it started in 1966. And uh, when my wife grew up there, it was just a few hundred people. And over the years, it's grown to four campuses in Houston and uh, reaching about 6,000 people on a weekend. It's just a great church. And we've been a part of some of that growth. And uh, one of the things that really helped our church uh, reach lost people or reach people who are in the alleyways, in the highways, in the byways, reaching people who were hidden, those that were poor, blind, crippled, and lame, uh, was through a sermon series called At the Movies. And uh, I'll just let you off the hook. If you're wondering, we will do an At the Movies series at Glory Bell at some point. Uh, it's going to be exciting. And what At the Movies did at Grace is we went all out. I mean, it was awesome. Uh, we would we would set up popcorn in the lobby. It smelled like you were going to the movies. Anybody like movie popcorn? Okay. How many of you... Uh, like, ask for the bag not to be full so you can get extra butter and then t toss it around, okay? Yes. Okay, somebody told me, though, that the technique is to put peanut butter M&Ms in your popcorn. Is that, is that a real thing? That's the jam? Reese's in there. Okay. All right. Any, uh, we get talking about food. That's how I know I can get you all to respond. I just ask you food questions. By the way, the more you respond, the shorter I preach, okay? I'm just saying. Yes, okay. I told the team earlier, if you ever just feel like I make a good point, just say, like, just do the bear claw. Just like, sick him, Jesus. You know, like, sick him, Chuck, whatever. Um, but at, this, at Grace, we were doing this series, and it was amazing what happened because, I mean, the lobby smelled like popcorn. We had even set up the red carpet. We had these two director's chairs where people could take pictures in front of a photo backdrop. We had live minions walking around, you know, like in their costumes. It was a fun, it was a fun deal. And uh, we had free sodas and Cracker Jacks. It was amazing. And I'll never forget because, like, people including my friends and people that I was inviting, they were coming to church. They're like, I ain't going to church, but I'll go to the movies, you know? And uh, as we're right in the middle of this, one morning, one of the ladies who had been at the church for a long time, she walked in and man, she just had a foul spirit, okay? Like foul, that's a really old word. Uh, you know, she smelt foul. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> Uh, she just had a really, like, offended spirit. And she came in, and, man, you could just see it all over her face. And she came right towards me. For some reason, I, I, I attract people like that sometimes. <laughs> and uh, she came at me strong, man. She, she said, Pastor Chuck, what is this? What is this, all this popcorn and movies at the church house? Hollywood has done invaded God's house. And... Man, I, I'm not even doing a good job of ex ex telling you just how furious that she was. And I tried to do my best to re remain calm, and I did a pretty good job. And I just pulled her over to the side, and I said, hey, Kathy. Um, her name's not Kathy. I just came to me. Uh, uh, but I said, hey, Kathy. Now you all are thinking it really was Kathy. I honestly wish I could remember her name right now. Um, it was Kathy. <laughs> so 
So Kathy, I was like, hey, Kathy, I said, help me understand, what, what are you upset about? And she said, well, I'm just, I grew up in the, the house of God was a place of reverence. And I said, okay, and it still is. And she said, yeah, but you're bringing in all this food and drink and the, the spirit of Hollywood. You're, you're bringing in, that into the church. And I said, do you know what movie we're talking about? No. Do you know what the points are in the sermon? No. Okay. Do you know that Jesus told stories because they didn't have movies? So he told parables? So what we're going to do as a church, because we don't tell parables in 2017, we tell movies. We show movies. Everybody goes to the movies. And everybody knows what Toy Story 4 is. And no, we don't, it's not about Woody and his friend Andy or Buzz Lightyear, but there are some scriptural truths about having relationship and not doing life alone that we can draw from that movie and point into scripture and say, this is really the life-changing principle. But I, I just realized in that moment, if I ever had the opportunity to lead a church, I wanted to carry on this heartbeat of Grace Church, which is we want to reach people who are far from God. And we will do anything short of sin. We want to follow what Jesus shared in Matthew 25. We're going to, yes, there's some people that have been invited and they got the RACP, they got to save the date, but they didn't respond. And we're going for people who are hurting, people who are broken. And, and you guys can excuse me because I'll get really emotional about this, but when we, people ask us, like, how did you choose Waco? Are y'all okay if I just talk today? <laughs> the reason, one of the reasons we chose Waco is because we would, we would walk the streets of this city. We literally would pull over in neighborhoods where people were walking their dog. And we'd like, hey, we don't know you. We don't know anybody else in this city, but we're thinking about starting a church. And they're like, Really? Another church. And I was like, yeah. <laughs> I said, do you know anybody who still needs Jesus? And people would like pause and be like, I've never thought about it like that. And then I can't tell you, like time and time again, people would say, yeah. You know, I go to church, but my, my family member, they won't, they won't go to our church. Because they're covered in tattoos. And they, they don't feel like they're accepted at church. I was like, well, they're going to be accepted at Glory Bell. Yeah, come on. Yeah. 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 They, I, so many times we heard stories like that. And we, we, we met a young lady in Memphis one time. And she talked about, oh, man, Waco. It's like Baylor Waco. And then it's like Waco, Waco. And I was like, you know what? We're going to bring Baylor Waco and Waco Waco together because we believe that we're better together. Let me go back to Luke chapter 7. Let me just, for those of you who weren't here and even those of you who are, let's just read this really quickly as a refresher. Luke chapter 7, verse 36. One of the Pharisees asked Jesus to have dinner with him. So Jesus went to his home and he sat down to eat. 
When a certain immoral woman from that city heard that he was eating there, she brought a beautiful alabaster jar filled with expensive perfume. Then she knelt behind him at his feet, weeping. Her tears fell on his feet, and she wiped them off with her hair. Then she kept kissing his feet and putting perfume on them. When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would know what kind of woman is touching him. She's a sinner. And then remember we talked about Jesus. He answered his thoughts. I mean, he knows what you're thinking. He said, Simon, I've got something to say to you. And then he tells him a parable about forgiveness. And I'm not going to go into all that. I just want to, I want to set the scene again a little bit. Last week I talked about this woman's posture of worship. But before you can ever get to a posture of worship, I want to kind of help us understand if we can put ourselves in that time era maybe even in her shoes, and think about what it would have taken for her to muster up the courage or the crazy faith to walk into that room. We know that even today, in 2019, that uh, being a woman of the night or being a prostitute is not something that you're, you really want to brag about. Um, but imagine 2,000 years ago, I mean, this, is, this would have been a, a deplorable act. It would have been embarrassing. Uh, it was shameful. And this is, while we don't know what led her to this lifestyle, we do know that she made some mistakes. She had sin in her life. Jesus forgives her every sin. While we don't know what led her to that lifestyle, we do, we, I mean, we can all agree that she didn't, she didn't just start out as an 11-year-old girl and say, one day I want to be a woman of the night. So let's just play out some scenarios about how maybe that could have happened in her life. It could have been maybe something as tragic as when she was a young lady and she had younger siblings. I can't prove this, but it could have been that maybe her parents both died at a young age. And she's left as the caretaker for her younger siblings. And while she needed to put bread in her, in her little brother or sister's mouth, maybe this was the only way that she knew that she could make a way for her kids or for her brother and sister. We don't know that that was the case. It could have been that maybe she just had an absent father and she didn't feel love and so she was looking to try to find acceptance and unfortunately she thought she had found it in this lifestyle only to satisfy a temporary feeling. We don't know that that was the case though either. It could have been that maybe as a young adult, she made a mistake and, and she started dating and get promiscuous and then she got pregnant by accident and, and all things began to unravel and, and that guy surely wasn't going to take credit for that because of what it meant for him. So he leaves her and then now she is left as a single mother shamefully and now she's got to find a way to provide. That could have been the case. It, it could have been the case that Maybe, maybe she was not, not the victim of an absent father, but maybe an abusive father. And she lost all sense of self-respect and value. And so as her life began to spiral and un unroll, she just, just falls into this horrible lifestyle. What we don't know is how she got there, but what we do know is that she would have been uninvited. In this scene, she would have been uninvited by everyone except Jesus. 
Because that's the thing about Jesus, that he invites the very people that others reject. Let that be said about Glory Bell, that we invite people that others reject. Band, if you'll come. You have to think, I think to really understand the weightiness of this message. You, you almost have to have like a, a, a righteous, uh, I don't know if it's indignation, if that's the right word, but a, a righteous fervor that comes up inside of you that just stirs a passion inside of you. Because... When we become disgusted enough with the evil and the hurt and the way people have been uninvited for so long, if that, if that will stir something in us and say, wait a minute, this is not right. There are people, every part of this city that deserve the grace of God, that deserve a second chance, that deserve an invitation this is why I titled the sermon Table of Inclusion. That's why I told you to repeat the phrase strictly inclusive. We're not excluding anyone. And we believe that when people walk into this room, it's going to take some people just a few services and their lives are going to be forever changed. For others, we know it's going to be several months, maybe even years. But I am convinced that if we can get people into the room, if we can introduce them to the Jesus that's in talks about in Scripture, then their life can be transformed by the power and the presence of a living God. I have one last illustration to show you. And I I thought about whether or not I would do this, but uh, because it takes a little bit of effort, but I I just couldn't leave it alone. So if you'll excuse me just for about 90 seconds, I want to show you what I, I believe is a very practical illustration of this passage of Scripture. Because it says... Jesus told them, let me read it again. The servant returned and told his master what they had said. His master was furious and said, go quickly into the streets and the alleys of the town and invite the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. And after the servant had done this, he reported there is still room for more. So if his master said, go out into the country lanes, and behind the hedges and urge anyone you can find to come so that the house will be full. Now I know that Jesus is talking about more than making a church full on Sunday. He's talking about the kingdom of God. But I couldn't help but think when I read this scripture about taking some invite cards and leaving the safety of the church walking out of the doors with an agenda that I'm going to invite somebody to church. And I walk out beyond the lobby and I'm going out here beyond everybody that I know 
because these people, they've been given an opportunity. They've heard the message of the gospel. But these on the outside, into the streets and in the alleyways, they need to hear the message that you and I have heard. They need to know the Jesus that you've met. They need to find the grace that you and I have met. So here I am on the sidewalk right here at 6th in Columbus. And with a loud voice, I'm saying, Waco, come in. You're invited. God's not mad at you. He's madly in love with you. Are you broken? Are you hurting? Are you crippled? Do you need a Savior? I can tell you there's one. You can find him and you can meet him right here at Glory Bell Church. You stand to your feet all across the room. our prayer team to come up here at the front, stand across the front. Lord, we are moved right now in your presence. There's so much to be, there's so much to be thankful for. I'm thankful that you've set the precedent of being strictly inclusive. Just as this woman would have felt uninvited, I, I'm sure there's somebody here today While they may not find themselves in the same lifestyle, maybe they have the same questions of how did I get here? How did I end up in this place? How did I end up divorced? How did I end up with a secret sin in my life? How did I end up addicted to pornography? How did I get to the place that I am right now? And I want to tell you, it doesn't matter how you got to that place, you're still invited. Lord, I thank you that you have made room for every single one of us. Those that are walking through hurt, shame, embarrassment, disappointment, failure, Lord, you have made a place for all of us. Lord, I pray that we would have a better understanding of your immaculate grace, your relentless love. And Lord, we would take that and share it with somebody else. Don't let another week go by where we don't find somebody who is broken, crippled, lame, poor, and we don't tell them about Jesus. If they're not in our normal walk or path, let us go out of our way. Even if it makes us uncomfortable. Somebody in the room today, we know somebody who is just like this woman who's feels left on the outside, I pray that we would have the courage to reach and to walk across the room and embrace them with the love of Jesus that we've been so freely given. Lord, we thank you for that. We thank you for that today. We thank you. We thank you. We thank you. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, we're going to worship together. Our prayer team is up here at the front. I invited them to come because I feel like it's very possible there's somebody in here to the room today that you, you need to know that you're invited, that you need to know that God's made a way for you. There's somebody here today that 
it's maybe not even have to do with the sermon, but it's something that you carried in here today, and it's really been bothering you. It's maybe a, 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 a struggle inside of your home. Maybe this time of year is really difficult for you. Maybe it was two years ago when you lost a loved one unexpectedly during Thanksgiving, and you just don't know how you have the grace or the peace of God to get through the next few weeks. I want to tell you that God can help you. God is close to the brokenhearted. Our team is down here. We want to pray with you and for you. Our team is going to lift up another song in worship. We want to give you this opportunity to pray with our team right here, right now in this moment. Thanks for joining us today. For more messages like this, visit glorybell.com. 